Today's gospel is from Luke chapter 15. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, this fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share, the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country. And there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he said, he came, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare? But here I am dying of hunger. I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran out and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet and get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He, is, he was lost and is found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf, because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in, but his father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, listen. For all these years, I have worked, been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have given me, never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours comes back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you kill the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that I have, all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. The Gospel of the Lord.
Thanks be to God. God's grace and peace uh, to us this day, if you're here at church or if you're online as well. I was watching a seventh grade basketball game and there was a player on the opposing team who yelled, Miss! Every time someone on my kid's team shot a basket, dribbling for a layup, Miss! Side shot, Miss! Reaching hard for a three-pointer, Miss! I can imagine how distracting it must have been for the players. Here you are in the heat of the moment when mental and physical skill are on the line and someone yells, Miss! Knocking your mental focus off course. I was only a spectator and a mom and I was so annoyed. Isn't this against the rules? Why doesn't the coach say something to him? This is not fair. The kids' playing behavior really got on my nerves so much that I could not enjoy the game. And after watching it for an hour, I noticed myself wanting to say, Miss! Every time he shot a basket. Talk about passive-aggressive. The whole thing bugged me all day, and clearly it still is because it's showing up in my sermon. <laughs> no wonder we feel divisiveness in our country and the world. We're always on edge, noticing every, everyone else's faults and mistakes, and thinking that every, everyone is out to get us, and this is all there is to this world. I do think, though, that that kid spoke aloud how humans we are wired. We really think life is a game. It's winners or it's losers. And you want to be on the winning side. You get what you deserve, so we do everything to score the most points and throw everyone who's in our way off track. The best is meant for ourselves and no one else, and this life we live is just in limited quantity. So here we are dwelling in a story I think you have heard before, a father and two sons. One son asks for his share of the inheritance early. This isn't just a really bold request. It was a disgrace in Jesus' time. The word property actually means life. Can I have my portion of your life, Dad? Almost like considering that he is already dead. The father agrees. And so this young soul is off to have the time of his life to do all the things on his bucket list, except his bucket list did not include encountering a famine. So now he's hungry, his nest egg is cracked and empty. He finds himself dreaming about eating what the pigs eat, the most unclean animal imaginable. And then he remembers where he came from. It would be better to go back home and as a servant 
rather than a son. And so he goes back with his apology speech well rehearsed, but he doesn't even need, he doesn't even, he's not able to utter the full speech because his father, seeing him in the distance, runs to him somehow forgetting what he has done and not done because he was lost and now he is found. The father says, out with the best of everything. Stop working. It's time to celebrate. The older brother comes in from the field where he has been working since his brother left town. The brother who said, miss, to all the hard work required to run a farm and support a family. I don't need to explain the older brother's anger to you because you feel it already and I do too. It's not fair. Hey, Dad, the robe you placed on him, the fatted calf you are smoking, the special ring and sandals are actually part of my inheritance, not his. The older brother stands on the sidelines, looking in the window. After Ben invited to the party, he can't go in. There's no joy. Only anger at his father for his lavish forgiveness and his abundant welcome. The family, probably now at odds forever. We all need a Tums, don't we? After hearing this story. There's no way we can hear this and feel good. So maybe it's just worth considering today. Where do you find yourself here? What makes you mad? What is unfair? Luke, in chapter 15, includes three teaching stories, all parables. The lost sheep, the lost coin, and the story of two sons and a father. Each story different in context and detail, but every one of the three ends with rejoicing. What was lost and now is found, whether it's one sheep out of the 100, one coin in a pile of others, or a rebellious kid who comes home and now is found. God is that focused on bringing people back. You get another shot. And God is willing to find you in the pasture, pasture under the dusty dresser, in the pigsty, or even on the basketball court. You still matter with your quirks, your bad habits, your waywardness. There is an invitation to begin again. You get a second chance, and that second chance is worth celebrating. I was curious, so I went back to my sermons over the last two years. And I hardly ever talked about joy or rejoicing. There were way too many funeral sermons in the mix. And the weekly markers of all the pain and annoyance and discomfort we were experiencing through the pandemic and racial unrest and all the changes that we have been through together as a church and as a community over the last two years. 
Where does joy fit into this life of yelling miss to our neighbors as they are ready to score the points? Working nonstop to validate our worth, being so frustrated with the brokenness of the world? I didn't even create room to hear, to receive, that we get another chance. Hope is not lost. God is still Emmanuel in the season of Lent. And I think we don't make room mostly because we're so burdened down with what's going on. We catastrophize the moment and we're too tired at the end of the day to celebrate this gift of hope that keeps coming each and every day that God invites us back. The sun comes up tomorrow. There's another day ahead. We forget that life will never be fair. And so we carry a burden of resentment and it wears us down and it keeps us from the joy in celebrating big or small changes, even if they're just for the day. I think Jesus is calling us to hear that joy is in the mix. Because of the abundance of the seeking shepherd, the woman with her lamp and broom who will not stop sweeping until she finds that coin, the father who knows his wealth will not run out. There will be more than what's penned on the will. Today, you don't have to be okay with a story. But hear this. God is always inviting you back to hear that this life is not hinged on our opinions, our privilege, or our rule-keeping. You are no less loved because someone else gets another shot. So, it came to the end of the basketball season, and the all-star teams were formed, and there is the kid who yells, Miss, playing hard with my kid and others. We were now on the same team. I had to readjust my perception and let go of the miss of the past and welcome him to the bench. I had to show up at the game and cheer. I had to make room for God's scoreless grace. Amen.